All right, so we're good. Episode 12. Uh, welcome back uh, to the Cutler cast. And we've been having tremendous uh, feedback from you guys. want to say we appreciate, you know, all the, uh, the people tuning in. We get a lot of new subscribers. And, uh, you know, make sure you guys, if you're not subscribed to the channel, make sure you do. This is our, our weekly podcast. And we've done 12 episodes. We're just laughing because we actually did 13. We did 13. I think, I think J-Mac needs to, we need to keep that in the vault. And someday we need to release the first one with the bad audio. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> we didn't. If I, I don't remember what it was. No, it was, the computer was too slow. The computer was slow, but the first audio, the first one, we were missing some type of cord, and he had to set up a audio, like a, a, a recorder, and he recorded it and tried to sync it, and he just said, dude, this didn't one's work. not going to work. It just oh. doesn't sound right. Well, we're back, uh, and, you know, we're, we're coming towards the wrap-up of the season, um, but – we want to touch upon something that uh, that affected a lot of us this past week, and I know it's been in the news lately. Uh, we've lost a lot of uh, a lot of champions in our business, um, a lot of you know former competitors, uh, some actual actually competing competitors. Um, but this one hits a little harder because obviously it was uh, someone that we were fairly close to, and uh, you probably even more than myself. Uh, but he was a Mr. Olympia champ, yeah. you know, which is, which is very few and far between. Number fourteen, I was eleven. Um, Phil is twelve. He's uh, right. Dexter was De- no Dexter, Dexter was Dexter was, a, was before yeah. was twelve. Phil thirteen. Sean yeah. fourteen. And uh, so Sean wrote and uh, you know, you managed him for a long time. You guys are close. Yeah, I managed him for about three years, and I was just looking through old pictures and just reminiscing on it. And I remember the, the first time I obviously I met him many a times and we had a lot of conversations, but we, uh, he was in Vegas and he was at the same gym we were at. I think it was the time Dennis Wolf was filming his documentary and he was just kind of always standoffish, you know, cause he kind of looked at me, he was standoffish with me and somehow, I don't know how we got on the conversation. And he said to me, he goes, you're with the enemy, like as in a, in a, in a laughing way. Who's the enemy? Well, Phil Heath was okay. his enemy because that was his competition. And I was mm-hmm. like, dude, I haven't been working with Phil for a while. And his eyes got really big and he's like, you don't work with Phil anymore? And I went, no. And he came over and put his arm around me and he's like, you know, what, what, can we talk about you doing some stuff with me? And that's, that's kind of how it, it's, you know, went in that direction. But that was like five years ago. Yeah, I'll never forget the first time I saw Roden, he was at a show I want to say he was, it was in, uh, like the Virginia, Maryland area. And That's where he was from. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe it was Pittsburgh. It might've been Mannion show Pittsburgh and he just turned pro at the North Americans. Mm-hmm. And he knew I kind of like was with Phil Heath mentored him. Right. Yeah. Kind of got him a little publicity and said, this is the guy yeah. uh, that's coming. And he, uh, he, I remember he said to me, he said, I'm going to beat your, your boy, Phil. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, dude, you're skinny, <laughs> you know? And But he would say it with a straight face. No, and he, he was dead serious. And I didn't know, like, I'm like, okay, how do I take this? I remember thinking inside, like, okay, this is like an awkward moment. But it's because yeah. I'm like, dude, Phil Heath's a world beater, you know, at this point. You know, he's starting to really come up. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't when Phil was Mr. Olympia yet either, but he's like, uh, you know. It was probably right, right 29, 2010. Yeah, so 209, 210. I don't know what time, what year he turned professional, uh, like at the North, 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 North Americans. But 
he's like, you know, I'm going to beat your guy. And, you know, I'm thinking, God, you won at like 209 or something. I think mm-hmm. he won his pro card. And I'm like, he was natural too. He had a long way to go. Yeah. So uh, I, that was my first meeting with him. But the, really the, the time that really fits my, you know, my memory the most was, you know, we were in Orlando for, I believe it was the Nationals. And we actually, it was like two in the morning and I had like a, like a seven or eight o'clock flight. So I'm like, screw it. I'm not going to sleep. So I was in that cafe and, mm-hmm. and it was the cafe, you know, the cafe that yeah. in the Hyatt, yeah. I, it was called like Irma and something else's at the time. It wasn't, yeah. I don't know what it's called now, but the Olympia was there this year. And I remember we sat and talked and it was hours on end. And he's like, you know, I want to be the best and that. And I remember, you know, I, I think he had just kind of linked up with Chris Aceto at the time. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, with Chris, you're going to do it and whatever else. And I, I said the line that he repeated when he kind of predicted his 2018 Olympia victory. He's like, you know, I remember what you told me. You said, you know, if you want to be Mr. Olympia, you need to walk, talk and act like Mr. Olympia, meaning like you have to be professional in all aspects, but also confident and not arrogant and whatever. And that's what he took to heart. And I think he started his journey. You know, he had great success with that. I got to compete with him in the last year, 2013. Yeah. Um, and he ended up beating me, you know, which was kind of a rare case because I hadn't been beaten by a lot of outside guys in quite some time. So walking into that show after sitting out 2012, you know, I, I was battling some of the new faces that I wasn't so familiar with and new physiques, but, you know, very aesthetic physique, mm-hmm. not someone I would ever imagine would be the Mr. Olympia champ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he put together a combination that was lethal in 2018. I mean, not to say he didn't prior. I mean, he had a lot of great showings, but uh, he won the Olympia. You know, it was weird when, when you know, I would look at him because, you know, and during those years I was in his, you know, I was in his room 10 times a day. And you'd look at him and you'd go from certain angles. He looked like he wasn't big enough. Yeah. But then certain poses you look at him and you're like, Jesus Christ, he's fucking massive. It was just this weird illusion at certain points. Like when you like when you look at him, like do a most muscular, mm-hmm. you would think it wasn't big. But when you looked at it from different angles, he looked like an absolute freak. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have the upper body that Phil had, but very few people did. But from head to toe, he 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 was able to put together a physique that, you know, became number 14. And in 2017, and it was something I wanted to note. He looked just as good 2017 as 2018. I actually thought he was going to win in 2017. And <clears throat> Chris looked at him. What did he finish that year? He got like fifth. And Chris looked at him, and he looked just as good as when he won in 2018. Something happened from the time we left the hotel to the time he got on stage. Something changed, and he faded a little bit, and he did not look the same. And then an hour after the show in the room, he looked just as good as he did when he won. So something happened in that point where it, he just, he dropped to fifth place. Mm -hmm. But when we left there, he was happy. And I remember him telling me, I know I can win next year. Like, I know I will win next year. Yeah. And, and even, even if you go back and look at, I, I have a post that I made the two nights before when we have to meet the Olympians. And I posted a picture with me and Flex Lewis and Sean. And I put in there these, I'm, gonna, I'm here with the two guys that are going to be the last two standing. I just, I knew he was going to win. Um, he just, he just was, he just, 
you know what I mean? It's it's not just when, when you're that confident and you know he's been second, he knew Phil's number was up and he just knew it. And yeah, I mean, he, pre- he predicted on my YouTube channel and, uh, you know, listen, there's been a lot of speculation, you know, there's a lot of fear right now running through bodybuilding and, yeah. you know, it's speaking from someone that, you know, did all those things that people are attributing, you know, whether it's, you know, the nutrition or, you know, taking the juice or whatever else it's, you know, I, I think people are just kind of running scared at this point, thinking that, oh my gosh, the bodybuilding is so dangerous, you know, and I think anything in life is nutrition or whatever else. And we obviously push ourselves. I think the biggest fear now is like, you know, when you're, you know, 290, you know, five foot nine or 10, you know, you're considered obese, right? Yeah. So it puts a lot of strain on the heart. I mean, although I felt pretty good at 280, 290, I mean, I knew I couldn't maintain that for a long time. Hence, I walked away at 40 years old. I still think that in this day and age, like I look back when I started bodybuilding and I looked watched Haney retire at 31, you know, Dorian Yates retired at like 37 and, you know, Lila Brada stepped away. Sean Ray stepped away early in their careers, you know, their early thirties or whatever. Um, It's just, I just feel that this, this has transitioned to an older person's game, which I don't know if that's the best thing for your health to really be pushing yourself into your forties to get, in shape up and down like a yo-yo being depleted and being, uh, you know, uh, dehydrated to that extent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cross between COVID times, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, fingers being pointed always at vaccines or, you know, and listen, take all that stuff out. You know, the truth is, is like when you start pushing limitations of your physique, I think it doesn't matter what the age is, you know, the amounts of food we eat is astronomical. You and I discuss this all yeah. the time. I think food, people don't talk about it, but it's one of the more dangerous things. Mm-hmm. Eating six, seven, eight, nine, even some of the strongmen were up to 10,000 calories mm-hmm. a day. It's hard on your body to process that much food. Even if you're not taking drugs, just eating that much food is a strain on the entire body. Yeah, and you, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't in bodybuilding that when they get into their 40s and 50s, they yeah. suffer... You know, heart, heart conditions or, you know, it's in it, it. It stems a lot from the nutrition that they, of course. or genetics. I mean, genetics play a huge part in that too. Of course. And we all live in some sort of, there's always that back, that back thought of like, okay, what if, mm-hmm. but the truth is if you want to be at the top, you know, I used to, they used to use this analogy, like, okay, if you can win the Mr. Olympia at 30, but it's going to shave 10 years off your life at the end. What, what would you do? Would you have done it? I, yes, I would have, because you know, at the time you just, you think, man, and to this day still, like for me, like, listen, I'm 48 and every day is a blessing. I don't have a prediction on when I want to live. Like, I don't know how anyone can even justify saying, well, I want to live to 80 or my dad just passed 92. My mom's 80. Um, you know, the quality of life depends on how a person yeah. wants to live, right? I mean, listen, most guys, I mean, I think the average age is in their 70s, right? I mean, most people. Upper 70s. Yeah, so uh, I know today medicine, it's it's a little different. Um, but listen, I, I just hate when fingers are being pointed towards, hey, it was the drugs or, or this and that, because I, I wouldn't imagine Sean was taking a lot of drugs at the time, but he did 
supposedly, which we don't have proof of, but you know, the rumors have, oh, he had some, some medical conditions and whether it was from stress, which, you know, can be a major killer. Uh, you know, I don't know how much it had to do with anything that bodybuilding you know, was related. In Sean, I was there in 2018 when he had the ulcers, mm-hmm. you know, and he, it wasn't a, a small thing. He almost bled to death. He was in the ICU. He was in an ambulance. He was in the hospital for days. He had to have five blood trans, transfusions because he was bleeding out because he had a bleeding yeah, ulcer. Yeah, my dad had ulcers in his 40s yes. also. You know, in you know, the, the, the part that when I read every, I look, I pay attention. I read to what people say and whatnot. At the end of the day, we don't know what happened. And everyone will say, oh, it's from this, it's from this, it's from this. Until there's a fucking autopsy, you don't know what happened. He could have had a pulmonary embolism. He could have had a stroke. He could have had an aortic tear. He could have had a heart attack. He could, there's so many different things. We just don't know. So until a, a coroner gets in, or the coroner or whoever else gets the autopsy that says, this is what was in his blood. This is how he died. This is what happened. Until then, it's just like people just want to talk just to talk. And it's mm-hmm. like, don't say anything. Just we'll find out what happened. We can speculate. Obviously, he did have a heart attack last year, and that could be a contributing factor. Yeah, see, I didn't know. He didn't report. You know, not yeah. many people knew about that. Yeah, he had a heart attack. And, uh, you know, we can, we can say it's safe to say that that might have been something to do with it. But until we have an autopsy, we don't know, you know. But and it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, if I had a heart attack, I'd stop. I would not do it course. anymore. But if that's your only thing you know and your livelihood and his thought process was like, hey, I'm going to be able to get on stage. Obviously, he had some, you know, uh, limitations on them yes. letting him compete. And, uh, you know, we spoke about, you know, wanting to try to help him get back on yeah. stage. Uh, but obviously, you know, they needed some sort of a positive um, you know, conversation with the attorneys and everything else. It just seems like it never came forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I don't speak a whole lot on it. It just, it, it, whether Sean was able to compete or not compete, it's, it's not my decision. It's not your decision. It's no one's, but, um, it just seemed that there needed to be a little bit more effort, a little bit more of a positive conversation to, to get that to happen. Yeah. There's a lot of confusion out there. So, but you know, the truth is, is like he left a huge mark. I mean, obviously we've seen all the posts and, you know, you mentioned he, you know, won his pro card naturally. Yeah, I mean, very crazy. few people did that. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll have a million memories because, you know, I traveled all over the world with him. We went yeah. to seven or eight countries together. And, and like the first thought that went through my head was his daughter because no matter what, you can, you can talk about Sean's physique, you can talk about whatever, no matter what it is, whether it's positive or negative, that dude loved his daughter more than anything. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a day where he would call me or FaceTime me that he wouldn't bring her up, wouldn't talk about her, wouldn't say, I'm doing this for my daughter, doing this. And it got to the point where, I mean, I, I still have videos in my phone, just funny videos where Sean would call me. He's, he'd usually FaceTime me, and, he, and he'd have like this weird look in his face, and he'd go, Cora wants to talk to you. She'd hand me the phone and then he, you know, and she'd go show me her toys or whatever else. And, and then, uh, he'd go, dude, I wake up. He goes, I sit down and have breakfast with my daughter. And she says, I want to talk to Matt. He goes, what the hell? And he would just start laughing. But, but you know, he, uh, that was the first thing that went through my head was she's sick, five or six years old, you know, and now her dad's not there. 
Yeah, he he was the original hoodie gang. Um, <laughs> I started this whole yeah. <laughs> I used to always laugh and say, "Why, show, why is Roden in a snowsuit?" Because he'd wear like these big yeah. pants and these you, big. You would almost shirts. get mad at it. You'd be like, "Yeah," because I mean, he has such a great body. I'm you're like, like you're like, off. this guy's. You, you'd message me like, "Dude, he's a fucking pro bodybuilder. Yeah. Why is he dressed in a so, snowsuit?" <laughs> so I, you know, him and Guy Sister Nino were very close, and they would yeah. uh, they would train in these hoodie shirts and. I think even Brad Rowe trained in a hoodie for a while. And they started, yeah. I mean, Sean Rowe was the original guy that started training in, uh, like, yeah. the hoodies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I used to make fun of that a little bit um, because I used to see him. He would wear his headset over the over, over the, the hood. top of the hood. But they, it wasn't just the hoodie. He would have, like, this windbreaker over yeah, it. Yeah. And the windbreaker pants. And those pants were, those those pants he always wore, they were lined. So they're like sweatpants yeah, but slash like, wind It pants. seemed like his, everything was 4X. You know? I know. It was oversized. You need to have those whatever High, shoes up yeah. to his knees, and you're just like, yo, man, are you like, are you going to like northern he had, Canada? He, def- like he, definitely had a, he definitely had his own swag, you know? So, yeah. and I, you know, for me, I'm always one of these guys I visualize when I train, right? So I like to see yeah. the body parts that I'm working. As you know, yeah. you know, I wear like tank tops or t shirts or shorts or whatever. Rarely do I wear baggy pants when I train, Never. especially like, you know, number one, I get hot, but number two, I like to see the muscles function, right? Yeah. So I, I do use the mirrors, and I just, I was always weird to think, okay, how does he judge how he looks each, especially prepping for a show? Because you used to see changes every day, so it's like when you ate carbohydrates or took them out or, you know, you, you, you changed something, and you want to see, okay, how's my body look in the gym in the mirror that I'm used to training every day? And I used to watch those changes, and that's how I kind of made adjustments yeah. where he would be covered up. So it always fascinated me how someone makes changes when you're totally like bagged out like that. You know yeah. what I mean? And, uh, you know, I, I always ask guy the same kind of thing. And I said, you guys train su- such heavy clothing on, but man, it was just kind of, maybe it was just a mind fuck type thing with these guys that they oh, no. just, they just like to be secluded and not have people looking or no, even knowing who they were at certain points. Uh, but for me, it was like, I was always a tank top and shorts guy when I was on top just to show, Hey, this is what I got. I used to I used to tell Sean that too, and I said, "Dude, you're a pro bodybuilder. You can't. You got to be uh, not always so covered up." Yeah. And I think we were at the Anaheim Expo. This would have been like twenty. Yeah, because he even wore it to the expos, right? Yeah. And he was at the expo, and I remember Latoria Watts was on the other side. Maybe it was Philly or Anaheim. I forgot which one it was. And he was all covered up, mm-hmm. and nobody was sta- nobody noticed him. Yeah. This was before he was Mr. Olympia, and he's like, because he always called me boss. And he's like, "Hey, boss man, like this, nobody notices I'm here." Yeah. And I said. You take your fucking top off and wear a tank top. You're a 300 pound pro bodybuilder, and so he ended up doing whatever. And he, the next day he came back, and because we were there for two days, and he had a tank top on, and now he's got 50 people on. Mm-hmm. And I said, people, they even if you're not, if you're all covered up, they don't not. I mean, people know who you are, but some people walk by might not know who you are. But some people there be like, God, look at how big that guy is. I want a picture with him. So that little bit does did make a difference. But he was always covered up. It didn't matter where we went. I can count on one hand how many times outside of after, like, you know, when he was almost ready for a show and he was doing photo shoots and whatnot, where he would either be in a tank top or even just a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. It was very, very, very rare. He was always covered up. From yeah, he, he was one of these guys that always yeah. was, you know, he was always willing to shoot for JTV and always yeah. had something. He's like, if I say something, I want to say it on your channel. And he wasn't very vocal, but... No. You know, his legacy is going to live on. You of know, course. I mean, he, he left his mark in bodybuilding and we're going to we're going to miss him greatly, you know, and and uh, you know, I, I would just wish more people got to know yeah. the deep person he was, right? 
Yeah. Um, because listen, every, every, the fans, even like on the outside, I mean, they view someone by what they read. Yeah. And uh, as much as we want to, uh, you know, we want to protect, you know, what he left behind and, you yeah. know, talk about the positive things about, you know, what he was. He meant so much to everyone. I mean, he trained with Stanimal every day and yeah. Chris Aceto trained as his trainer. He was very loyal to him. And, you know, the confidence was not arrogance. That's the one no. thing about him is he was so positive um, and never really had a bad thing to say about anyone. So I, I really, uh, yeah. I enjoyed his company. When you, when you weren't, if you didn't know him, you, you could think whatever of him, but the people that knew him close, he wasn't quiet. You know, he wasn't just like shy. He was very yeah. vocal, but he was when he was around people that he trusted and he knew he was always cracking jokes, always, you know, I, even when I went back and looked at some of my, uh, um, some of my posts from years ago, and I have funny videos up there of him just saying just, just funny shit, you know, in the last minute. Like, you, you, everyone could be talking about whatever, and he would just be quiet, and all of a sudden he'd chime in, and you'd look, and you'd just start busting out laughing. So he was, he was definitely a, a, a comedy guy, but, you know, he's number 14. Yeah, so, uh, you know, if you guys want to comment about maybe something you had experience with him, yeah. you know, comment on our, on our comment section. We're going to uh, roll over to, uh, we had another contest, the Prague Show. Yeah. Um, where none of us went. Okay. No, no, we were, you know, the, the Prague show was the weekend after Egypt and you flew back. I was on my way home and Regan decided last minute to do it. And it had, it had, a, it had a stacked lineup, mm -hmm. you know, it had Rolly Winkler, it had Raphael, it had uh, Samson, it had Nathan Diasha, you know, it was, it was a, it wasn't your average, you know, smaller show in Europe to have, you know, you know, five plus guys that have done the Olympia in there or Olympia level guys. So the show, you know, went on and, um, I didn't, I didn't, I fell asleep, you know, I was texting with Milos and a couple other people and nobody knew what the, who was in the front running because they, they took the top four guys and mixed them around so many, nobody knew. And I assumed it was going to be Nathan and Regan and in actuality, it was Samson and Raphael that got first and second and Regan got third, and Nathan got fourth. Yeah, which is kind of surprising because, yes. you know, I felt Regan dominated the week prior in Egypt, Samson. Mm -hmm. um, I thought Regan was just much better and every, everything yeah. else, and, you know, for Samson to come and, you know, gain a victory there, it was kind of surprising for me, and Regan obviously must have been off, right? So yeah. sometimes that slight being off, I mean, Ra Raphael was in amazing condition but just lacked the size yeah. That's some of the top guys. I, I, I was shocked. I was shocked. And I still, you know, when I, when I, I wasn't there again, but when I looked at the pictures from it, it looked like Samson was in the same shape he was when, when he was against Regan, you know, from Regan front, wasn't crazy. as great. Yeah. It, Regan was just as good, but it looked like he faded a little bit from what, you know, I can go off what Milo said. Milo said, dude, he faded a little bit in, in prejudging. And that's probably what moved him back. Cause when I looked at the scorecards, it was Samson first, Regan was in second. And then the night show, yeah, he fell back more. But I heard Nathan actually moved up <clears throat> to third in the yeah. night show, but he ended up in which was weird because place. Nathan looked as just as good as shape as he, in any other show, yeah. you know. So, I, but I, again, I wasn't there. Sometimes pitchers can be deceiving. I mean, could it be the structure? I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, Steve Weinberger was a head judge, and if I know, but if you look at those guys, I mean, we talk about this all the time. Regan definitely needs more size. Yes, but his structure is just. It's you perfect. Know, yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, he has all the if if the structure to be dominant. It, I mean, when people say he's 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 too small, but 
He's in the upper 250s. That's not mm. a small person. I mean, I know he's 260. No, but you know this bodybuilding. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, in, in today's standards, I mean, you know, Nathan is almost 260, and he's, yeah. you know, he's about 5'9", maybe 5'10". He's a couple, two, three inches shorter than Regan. Yeah. But, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't there. Steve Weinberger was a head judge, and Steve's got as good an eye as anyone in this industry. So well, he the must have saw something we, we couldn't see through the Yeah, pictures. so the great thing is, is Samson's qualified. Yes. Uh, Regan's qualified and also Nathan Nathan's because qualified. they have won other shows. And Roly got fifth. Okay. Roly was fifth. Show. Yeah. Not on, not as normal self. No, no he, he just, you know, and, and, and I, I haven't spoke to him about it, but I don't know. I mean, you know, he's, you know, he's 45. Is that it for the season now? Is that there any more? Oh no, we have, uh, Romania. Romania is this weekend. And I think Samson's doing yes. that. Raphael's doing that. I don't think Nathan is. Regan's already back and he's already back uh, yeah, across Canada. the ocean. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else is doing that, but I know Samson and uh, Raphael are there. I would assume, you know, looking if it's the same physiques that they have, you know, Samson's, you know, he's 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 going to be a hard. It's going to be tough. And for Regan him. won that show before, right? Regan won it last year. Okay, you know, he just it was, you know, you can't his body was going from down. the Olympia to, yeah, this, to yeah. this to this to this to this and all the travel nightmares we had. Even when he went to. Uh, to Prague, he had ish travel issues getting there as well, and he was, you know, stuck waiting for three, four hours longer than he was supposed yeah. to because of it's due to traveling. It's a travel nightmare right now. If going forward, I mean, if we have to go somewhere, you, you do what you have to mm -hmm. do. But if I'm going to go anywhere internationally, I need to be able to get on a plane in this country, in this country that goes straight to the country that I was at, where I know the restrictions here, and there's nothing that's going to in between. go in between. Because once you land in another country, they can do it what they want with you. And where before, they just didn't care. But now they can go, we don't accept this. We don't accept this. And, and it can be a problem. Like, even after all the nightmares I had, I've been on the phone with, with um, United's high ups. And they're like, like they're investigating it. Like, what, what happened to us? Well, I read this week that they opened up for vaccinated passengers now between, your, like, Europe. You can travel now. Yeah, you can go back yeah. and forth. It just some of these country, every country has a different rule mm -hmm. and a different law as far as COVID. Some countries, like for example, if you want to go to, um, I'm just going to make a, if you want to go to Mexico, all you have to do is fill out a questionnaire. Have you been running with COVID? Mm -hmm. Boom, boom, boom. You're done. You, you, you just, you, you click this, it sends you a barcode. When you walk through customs, they scan it, they know you're good. And then you go and that's yeah. it. Other countries, they'll say, we need a PCR test. You need to be vaccinated. Some countries, even if you get there, they still make you quarantine, even if you're vaccinated. Um, some countries make you pay um, insurance mm -hmm. where you we say, hey, you need yeah. COVID insurance. And it could be anywhere from $10 to $200 or $300 mm -hmm. because people come there. And if they get COVID and don't have insurance, their medical system has to put the burden. So, yeah. so if you, if you want to come there, you have to pay this so they, so they can build money up in case this stuff happens. So you just got to be really do your research and know um, what you're getting into. And, and I don't know if this is a forever thing or if this is something that next year. It, well, the mask is supposed to be gone in January. I heard. I hope travel. so. I you mean, know, when we they were, were supposed to be done in September, but when we were, when we were in Germany getting our, when we were stranded and we were getting our COVID test downstairs, we were down there. The people that handle the COVID test, it's not here. Like it's at Walgreens. It was an actual medical doctor. And he was saying he could speak perfect English and we were talking with him and he's like, I've been doing this for a year 
he had on, he didn't have on one of the, K, the N95 masks. He had the surgical mask. And he goes, this does nothing. Mm. He goes, I haven't got COVID. And he goes, I see people all day. Every day people come here with COVID and I haven't gotten it. You know, and I'm not, this isn't like a, I'm saying anything positive or negative about COVID. The whole point is a lot of this, these measures that are in place, they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. They're not, all they're doing is making it more difficult to live your life. You know, if you're going to get COVID, you're going to get it. You know, yeah, I know a lot more people that have COVID right now than, uh, yeah, than that, that had it before. Yeah. And I don't know if I've had it. I mean, I've never, yeah. I've never. They asked me yesterday, I was given blood yesterday and. You know, have you ever had a positive COVID test? I didn't take a test, but yeah. I assumed I had it. Uh, but I said no, you know. I've never had a positive test either. I mean, I've, I mean, last week I had fucking four tests. And before that, there was, there was a couple times where I just felt off. Yeah. And the one time I was going to Austin, Texas to go see Angelica and Marco, and she's pregnant. And I just thought to myself, it'd be very selfish of me to not at least check just to make sure that I don't have anything because I'm going to be staying in their home with them. Of course. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that I didn't have it. Cause if I would have, obviously I, you know, if I went there and, and gave this to a pregnant woman, like I'd feel horrible. Yeah. So, but that was the only other time I took a test. Yeah. We're, uh, we're heading to San Diego next week yep. and we don't have to, uh, fly anywhere international, which is great. Nope. So San Diego fit expo, uh, info is on fitexpo.com website. Yep. Uh, we have some headliners there. Let's mention those. We got, we got you going. We got Sergio Oliva Jr. We got Guy Sisternino. We got Regan Grimes. And we got Yurishna. And and I know there's a couple other, uh, like Chef Rush is going to come down. Yeah. Um, I was chatting. Yeah, Julian Smith is there. Julian Smith. Um, I was Brad chatting. Brad Castleberry's Brad there. Brad Castleberry. I think uh, Brian said he's going to come down okay. for, for, you know, throughout the day. And I'm sure there'll be other people that will that will pop in. But it's just, it's cool that it's it's a good feeling because, We've, we always go to all the, the fit expos. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're since the first one. Yeah. You have for over a decade. They're, they're like Jane and the crew there are our family to Almost us. Almost so. 20 years, bro. Yeah, a long be time. 20, it will be 20 years next year, I think. So you've always been there. So the fact that they have not been able to have one, January will be two years since they've been able to have one. It's special to be able to go to this and actually say, hey, we see you again. You know, Because outside of when they came here to Vegas to meet with us, Earlier in the year, we haven't seen any. Of them. I think there's a contest going on at the same time. Uh, I, I don't think know. there's Muscle a contest. Might, yeah, I think yeah. there's a show. So, you know, people always ask, "What do I expect when I travel to these things?" I mean, besides the meet and greets, I mean, there's a lot of samples there. I mean, you get to walk around to the booths. I mean, if there's a show to witness, obviously that's great. Yeah. Um, but you know, you want motivation. Uh, make sure you guys come check it out. I mean, all the info is there, and that's like the last, the only other thing of the year that I was even looking at is if, um, is nationals. nationals. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, I think I'm going to go, you know, uh, Yurishna's husband's competing. And, um, I think I, you know, I think it'd be a good show to go to. It's the last big show of the year. It's in Orlando. Same place as the Olympia. Yeah. Yep, same hotel, same everything. We're familiar with it. And I just thought, you know what, man, it's been a, it's been a shitty couple years. And if this is the last event, hopefully that we have to go to where there, it, maybe there won't restrictions maybe next year going mm-hmm. forward um you know it'd be nice to go support it so i, th- I think i'm gonna fly down there for that one because after that there's nothing until the arnold which is the first weekend in march which is going through normally in columbus ohio i'm sure stuff pops up though yeah it's not i mean it's something always comes up whether it's a store appearance or a gym appearance or international appearance but mm-hmm. on the books right now those are the last two events of the year so I wanted to pivot to uh, the little conversation I've been watching. You know, I, I, 
I'm a little different. So I get on YouTube in the morning and I listen to uh, sports. Yeah. So right now it's football season, of course, with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. going to now the Rams, which is crazy. I mean, they're mm. kind of predicted to win the Super Bowl. J-Mac, they going to win the Super Bowl or what? You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, everyone talked about how, you know, Brady was going to repeat. And they, they talked about Kansas City challenging, but Kansas City not doing as well this year. And I know they talked about Odell going to Seattle. I thought, you know, they kind of hinted to that, but it looks like he went over and signed in, you know, Los Angeles, uh, which is crazy, in the Rams. Um, and, you know, we're going to see if his greatness is still there. Yeah. Because I know, like, the last few years, it's been kind of wondering about that. But I want to talk a little bit about the Pippen-Jordan saga because I know how much of a <laughs> supporter you are of – you know, between the Pip and LeBron type thing, right? Yeah. And why they re released the last dance, okay? They are saying that they released it at this time because he wanted to remind people of who the GOAT status was as LeBron was starting to build that momentum. Yeah. And you're one of these ones that thinks that LeBron is all around. He's, he's the best player of all time. Yeah. Yes, I believe that. And I grew up, like again, I grew up on Jordan. People always remember all the positive stuff of Jordan, but they forget all the times he got his ass kicked for many, many, many years. And until Scottie Pippen got there and came of his own. Well, Pippen's mad. Yes. Pippen's angry right now. And so the what information I'm, is, I'm gathering is that, number one, they're mad because Jordan kind of dictated the whole thing, right? So, um, you know, he paid, made got paid $10 million at least, right? They that's Which is nothing, obviously, to Jordan, but... You know, he kind of dictated how it was going to go. And, you know, from the time where he said, hey, I walked in on the guys doing the drugs to, yeah. you know, Pippen, you know, bailing and quitting on one of the games and, you know, not being that much of a figurehead or a leader, that's kind of put him, you know, on the spot a little bit. And, you know, the question is, is why do you think all the anger from from Scottie Pippen? And, and would, would Jordan been as great without – Pippen. The, the first thing to me, you always, whenever there's an issue, you always try to find the, the root of it. And the root of it to me was Scotty signed a really bad deal many, many years before. You know, most of the deal. It was, I think it was 17 million yeah, for seven 17. years. Yeah. And the reason he signed that was he wanted to guarantee he had this money for his family, mm -hmm. which I, I can understand. He grew that. Up poor, yeah. You know, I mean, dude, $17 million is still a lot of money. Back then, especially. Back then yeah. in, the, in the early. 90s late 80s that's that's a ton of money it's still a lot to this day but if he would have signed a two or three year deal then he could have got a 40 50 60 70 million dollar deal and he couldn't but jerry reinsdorf back then said this deal that your your agent's negotiating is not a good deal yeah, for you do. don't sign it this long you're young but if you sign it do not come back to me and ask me for another penny i'm telling you this is a bad deal for you and he signed it and ever you know once he realized that he was at the time he was always a top 10 player in the NBA for him. There was, there were guys that weren't even starters on other teams that were making more money than him. He was like the, at one point he was like the 170th or 107th, like highest paid player in the league when he should have been, you know, in the top 10. And I think that throughout all those years angered him because I don't think Jordan ever came to his, and, and I don't know this for sure, I don't think Jordan ever came to his defense with the team and said, hey, man, I need this guy. Renegotiate his contract. Help him. Like, I need him. 
And I don't think Jordan ever had his back in that aspect. Well, it seemed like Jordan like really supported, um, you know, he, he didn't necessarily support him, mm-hmm. um, but he supported other players more. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know because... Because Rodman, I mean, he, he praised Rodman like he saved us basically, right? And, you know, if you remember the story, like he went to Vegas to get Rodman, but yeah. the rumors are is like he was sick, sick of Jordan shit and that's why he was in Vegas, you know? Because yeah. you can imagine when you're that much of a leader, I mean, it's kind of like the Tom Brady thing. And I mean, I'm sure you're very, very stringent about like what goes on, right? We yeah. need to make all these pieces fit, especially as Jordan was coming to the tailor end of his career. Um, and obviously you're winning championships and you're expected to, the pressure's on, right? Yeah. Um, they weren't allowed all the cameras in there until the last dance. I mean, they knew it was happening, you know? So, you know, I think they're just like, it doesn't seem like P- uh, Pippen vi- pivoted to anything of like the caliber that some of these other guys have, you know? Yeah. Pippen coaching was, or- Pippen, you know, he was severely underrated. It Would Jordan have got where he was without Pippen? Absolutely not. There's no way. You know, Pippen was probably one of the best on him and Rodman. Both were two of the best on ball defenders ever. You know, even in today's day, Pippen would still be one of the best defenders because he was a lot taller than he was listed, Mm -hmm. but he could defend all five positions. And there's very few guys that can do that. He was just kind of like a, a a less beefy version of he was the LeBron before LeBron, except LeBron took it to another level Mm -hmm. physically and and LeBron was a little more skilled than him. But I remember when, when Jordan left to go to the, uh, to go play baseball, everyone thought the team was going to fall apart. Well, during that year, you know, Pippen, if I remember right, was he was like an MVP candidate and they only lost like two or three games more than when Jordan was there. So with Jordan leaving this, the team was, if it was, it was, I think it was the the last game of the, the semis, they had a shitty call against the Knicks, or they would have went. They would have went to the finals, potentially went to the NBA finals without Jordan. So you know, Pippen was Pippen was that good, but he just had this horrible chip on his shoulder because he should have made. Well, I think they, of, they they highlighted that in the last dance. How yeah, you know, Pippen didn't wasn't able to achieve that. You he know? didn't capitalize. So yeah. I'm sure, and this could be you know, and and. I, I'm not, I'm not in his shoes. I mean, I bought his sneakers, bro. Pippin. I still have them in my closet. It was yeah. one of my favorite pair of shoes. Really? Yes, they had a a red and a blue pair. Uh huh. And those were like my favorite low. They were like a low top uh, Nike shoe. And uh-huh. it was I'm, dude. The Pippins were my favorite. I mean, when I had the opportunity, I used to wear them back in like 2001, somewhere around there. And mm-hmm. I was able to buy the the. Uh, you know, the throwbacks, they were available, like, again, mm-hmm. recently. And I when did you start wearing them? I, I actually was thought about, I put them on the other day to wear them to the gym, <laughs> but I didn't end up wearing them. Why not? Because I don't, you know, and I, I mean. Most listen, people would have no idea you know what I they love, are. You know, I love my Jordan ones, and I wore my Garnets, and, yeah. you know, everyone has their specific shoe. I tried buying LeBron shoes, but I wasn't super fan of LeBron. I still, I'd still just wear Chucks, man. They're still my, yeah, yeah. I wear the Wilt Chamberlain's. They're my favorite. But I saw that, you know, LeBron just got his logo on some of the college jerseys, and so he's really taking a step towards. He's, you know, he's doing, you know, Jordan still laid the blueprint for all these guys. You know, Jordan didn't make a ton of money 
on the it's worth court. one point five billion. They yeah, said. he made his money from that. Jordan Brand is the, is by far the biggest. LeBron brand. will be worth a lot more money, though. I'm sure, right? <clears throat> when when LeBron is Jordan's age, yes, he will be worth more. But Jordan did lay the blueprint for him, yes. saying they hey, said that's where he'll 100%. be goat status. Where he kind of yes, no one will ever have branding like Jordan. They said no, no, and and no matter what LeBron would do. Shoe wise, whatever the jump man is always yeah, going to yeah. be the the staple. You know, the jump man Jordan Jordan could pass away at seventy. That jump man is still going to be here. It's going to be here for eternity. That's just a. He was the first guy to do that, and um, I, I like I said, he laid the blueprint to where LeBron is doing the things while he's playing that Jordan did after he left. So Jordan paved the way, and LeBron's saying, well, why do I have to wait till I'm 50 to do this shit? Let me do it now. Mm-hmm. And he has, he has a really good team around him that helps make this happen. Um, there's a lot more than just Maverick Carter and these other guys. There's a lot more moving parts mm-hmm. that I actually found out about not long ago just because of people that I work with. And he, um, Jordan probably didn't have those, those same people. Because again, when you're paving the way, you're you're learning the hard way. Yeah, it's pretty crazy though, because you you know we talk <laughs> our podcast has talked a lot about basketball. I know. Um, I'm a fan of it because I was never able to play. I was too short, and right? I did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually was decent in obviously grammar school. Who isn't? But like, I wouldn't have been able to play in high school or anything like that. I just didn't have the height, but um, or the coordination. But uh, it's funny because you know when Jordan got you know drafted or whatever. You know, when he started college, he wasn't the best player, right? Oh, and then Le- Le- LeBron school. was like, like few. They said this guy's the next Jordan from the time he At was 16, sixteen. You know, yeah. and uh, it, it was like greatness was always there. So you kind of look back and you think, okay, who's better? I mean, there's always going to be that comparison. I remember I just did a podcast this past week, and you know they talked about bodybuilding eras, and they they said, well, how would you fare, you know, in today's era, and like who would fare well. And I looked back and I said, you know, I hate when they make the comparisons, but to this day, it's still Ronnie Coleman would be able to blast anyone. Yes. He'd still be winning the Mr. Olympia. Dominate, yes. You know, and, and listen, I think I could hold my own. I think Phil would still dominate like his yes. best. And, you know, with how would Lee Haney and Arnold do? That's the question. You know, I yeah. think Haney was ahead of his time at that point. Dorian Yates was a dominant champ. He would probably even fare well in today's. Yeah. Like that top guy is always in a certain they're always gonna they would have always been competitive but you know there's a lot of comparisons to that and you know i still stand by my ronnie coleman's the greatest body on stage ever right like i don't think there's ever been that comparison but people say oh you're oh nine or you know arnold for his era was listen it was great but you know if you want pound for pound you know striation for striation i mean you don't get much better than the Ronnie Coleman that I was trying to defeat, you know? So was I the hardest challenger of the Mr. Olympia, you know, runner up position, you know, like, you know, was, you know, and, and I've, I've said this to people and I'm, and I don't know if you've ever really sat and thought about this, you know, people will look and say, you got four Olympias, but you got second six times. Mm-hmm. So if that other guy wasn't there, you could have legitimately had 10 Olympias. If Ronnie wasn't there, you would be... You know what, though? I wouldn't have been as motivated if Ronnie no. Coleman wasn't there. So yeah. Somebody so else could have slid. It, it's a variables. Him. I don't know if I would have won con- that consistency. If and somebody I ta- ahead I, of you wasn't that good. I yeah. spoke about that because I said, fuck, Ronnie Coleman was just... I owe so much credit. And you know what's funny? As we get a year apart from that time... Like, as I get a year older every year, I appreciate it so much more, yeah. which is crazy because 
I thought I appreciated it, but I think I had to get over that hump. Like 2013, you know, I was like, okay, this is my last. But then I thought in 2015, like, man, could I actually battle with these guys? And like, then you're, you know, once you get your mid forties, it's like, dude, it's over. Right. Stop. And, uh, you know, and watching these guys train and knowing like what it takes and, you know, and I look back now and it's like every year I get older, it's like, damn, I appreciate Ronnie. I appreciate Dexter and Chris Cormier and, you know, all these guys that I battled with, you know, Phil and, you know, I appreciate them more. And like any animosity I had towards a lot of people, like I don't have any at all because it's just like, I feel like, okay, it's all about positivity. And, you know, looking at what goes on in social media today, thank God we didn't have social media because <laughs> I'm sure I would have been angry at a lot more people. Because I still, we will joke about like get big. We used to go on yeah, there. They yeah, used yeah. to call you fridge. Yeah, but I mean, listen, everyone has their yeah. limits on what they can take, right? But you know, when you're the best in the world and people are trying to tear you down, it, it sucks a little bit because you want everyone to praise you, but at the same time, you don't want them to praise you too much because you don't want to get too comfortable, right? Of course. And we all have flaws and weaknesses or whatever else. And, uh, you know, I look back and I'm like, damn, I won four Olympias, you know, and oh, I was second six times. And now I'm more excited about it because I'm like, damn, I was pretty fucking good, you know? Well, yeah. You because should. you don't realize it when you're there. And now reflecting back and, you know, when people want, want to listen to me speak and they want to talk about, you know, some of the greats and I'm considered on some of those great bodybuilders, like it's amazing. And I, I can appreciate more like the climb up of like Hunter and, and Nick and, you know, Ian and these guys fighting now to kind of make those, their those mark. Those guys are where you were yeah. in the late nineties. Yeah. And there, and the way you looked at, you know, whether whoever, when Ronnie won or whoever else, they're looking at Rami they're looking yeah, yeah. at Phil the way you did. And I wonder what Rami thinks. I wonder if he's enjoying the process. I always wonder to get inside people's heads and say, does he take a sigh of relief like I did after every Olympian <laughs> say, oh, I'm safe for another year? I think after this last year he did. You know, because that's all I thought about was like, oh, I used to sit and I used to pray. And I'm like, man, I did it again. And now, like, I can maintain this title for another year and I don't have to worry about the stress as much until you know, four months out or whatever, where I start dialing so, so down. So let me ask you, so after you lost to Dexter, did you have some maybe like a, a not a sigh of relief? Oh, it was a relief. Like, but a relief like, oh, it was like, now I can come after it. No, now now, it's on you. I remember thinking backstage, I'm like, and I, I think I said it to Carrie, I'm like, man, like all my biggest fears came true. I lost, you know, because that, we always had these discussions where it'd be like, okay, when I win, it's going to be this, but okay, there's that chance I could lose. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to handle it? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and okay, h- how is it going to affect me? I knew I was safe, like financially with, with contracts and this and that, but I actually thought about, okay, how are people going to uh, look at my image and look at me? And am I going to be still that guy that people want to be? And to be honest, when I lost to Dexter, everyone's like, oh, Jay's done, you know? So for me, it was like, shit. Losing to Dexter isn't like a fucking knock. You know, so I know, but I was like, shit, man, like, am I really done? I thought that for a week or two. And then, you know, Hani picked up the phone and called me. um, And he was like, you know, because obviously Chris was training me at the time. And Chris, you know, Chris kind of left me to be. He didn't really, you know, he's like, man, you know, you're still better. 
But I was like, okay, I just need other opinions or whatever. And when Hani called me and said, are you okay personally? No, I don't give a shit about your body or whatever. Um, you know, you're, we know what you're, what you were or whatever. Um, but you okay mentally. And I think that was like his test. And he's like, you know, you can still do it. And when I heard that, and then eventually we end up linking up and then I had Phil like pushing me, like I have to give a lot of credit to Phil Heath because like he came out and trained with me, stayed with me and, and he's like, dude, you can still do this. And for someone that's your competitor, I mean, he was third that year. And like I said, he probably could have won the show in my opinion, but I was like, man, like, I just had some really great people around me and I picked up a lot of, you know, Brian Glenn was training with me who, you know, still works with me. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Nate was helping me with the weight training, you know, Eric Deloro was there. Um, you know, big swole Ryan Chastain was there and it was like, I had all this, these people and we we're filming. That's when we started like the YouTube and the yeah. swole monkey production. So there's just so much hype around it, you know, and Brad came out from Florida and trained with me and it was like, I just felt like I had just a lot of, uh, a lot of support. And, uh, you know, of course, Kerry was, you know, like you can do this again. And, uh, it just, it lined up the stars aligned for the perfect comeback. So here's know? a, here's a question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked you, did you want to win more or were you scared of losing more? Um, I was scared to lose always. I, I, I was driven by fear. So fear made me great because it's like, you know, the people that say, well, what, what makes you go to work every day? Is it because you want to be more successful or your fear of being broke? Like, I, you know, I like, I, to me, I'm still like, I work more because I'm fear of being broke, you know? I've been there before. I've been in the gutter, right? Uh, but for me, like, I, and at this point, like, I just love brand building and I love you know, if, if you said to me, Jay, we're going to go to Turks and Caicos or we're going to the Maldives or we're going to train at Fit Club and be at your office in the afternoon shooting a podcast. I hate to say it. I'd rather be shooting the podcast <laughs> and go and train at Fit Club. Because I'm about traveling. It's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right now. I mean, if you said, Jay, I booked a G5. Well, that's a different story. <laughs> you know, you know then you'd go then. You don't have to deal with masks or TSA. Yeah. You'd be like, all right, let's go. You know what the problem Why don't you is? Stop being cheap. Why don't no, you put us on but a G5? the problem. The problem is, is you know, if we go to the Maldives, it's like you know, it's twenty five hundred a night or whatever. To yeah. f- who knows? Even more, probably more, because you know where I want to stay. It's like fuck. And then, then we get done with the trip, and I look at the bill, and it's thirty grand. I'm like fuck, I could have stayed home, and I could save thirty grand. Yeah, save thirty grand. But I've always been the same way. I've I've always been motivated by fear. Anyone who they any- say that a lot of people won't admit to that. <sighs> Shit. Anyone who has been to the bottom and knows what it's like to have nothing. Well, listen, I mean, listen, I, I mean, there. it's just like, you know, I, I went and gave blood yesterday. I'm scheduled every, you know, I think Maybe I'm scheduled now in January again. So mm-hmm. why I do I, why do I morning. do it? Because I fear of my health. Like, yeah. okay. My, my, obviously my blood gets a little thicker when I'm training and everything else. Like I don't do that because, oh, it's fun to get a needle in my arm and draw blood. Right. Yeah. It's like you you kind of go through life as like, okay, I think about the positive things, but there's always that, okay, if I don't do this or don't do that, you know? It's just like you want to be a role model for people now, so I'm not going to go out and go crazy and do anything Sometimes sideways. it's a curse, though. Like, even even for me, like, you know, no matter how successful I get, I, I look at every dollar the same way I did well, I mean, when I had nothing. So and, it, and it's... And I don't need to be like that, and I don't know why, because there's times I'll go to a store and I'll look at something and be like, 
That's two dollars. I ain't paying two dollars. I know, that. but you got to think like, <laughs> what do I really need, right? Yes. And I think that's where today we talk about watches. You know, you buy a lot of watches, and we talk about watch deals all the time. And it's like, I don't even like wearing a damn watch. I don't either, but I just put it in my safe. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, like I'm wearing these Jackson. I was on bracelets. the phone with someone this morning, and I'm like, I want to buy that watch, and it's it's a lot of money, but I'm like. It's better than leaving the money in the bank. So that's why I want it. It's like, like. But you barely see me ever I, wear one. I don't even want to. You know, I remember, like, we were flying to go to Boston last week. And and she's like, here, here's your Rolex, you know. And I said, I don't want to wear that damn thing. I don't even <laughs> want to worry about it in the room when I leave. And I, I don't care. Because I, you know what the sad part is? I don't even adjust the time when I put a watch you know on. What, you know what's really I'll sad? I'll ask someone, hey, what time is it? And they're like, dude, you have a watch on your wrist. You know what's messed up? There's times where I'll have a, I'll. You know, I mean, I'll wear a watch at certain occasions and I'll be like, I feel like an asshole because I'm like, Yo, I got like a $40,000 watch. And yeah, I'm yeah. like, you're, you're that dickhead that's trying to show off. And I'm like, no, I don't. I just want to. And I cover it up. And people that have no idea that I, yeah. that I collect watches and they're like, really, you never wear one. And I'm like, dude, I, I buy them. I, well, I like how they look. Well, we talk it. about hard assets and that's kind of why yes. we, we talk about it. it's better than, uh, it's the better than leaving it in the bank, bank and, yeah. or, or even cash, letting it, letting it go yeah. away. But but no, I think I think a lot of people don't admit that that fear motivates them, and it's it's always been a motivation of mine. You know, I had a, you know, I, my my family was very poor when we grew up, and when you have nothing and, and you're hungry or you don't have food when you're a certain age, you as you get older, you appreciate every last cent. So there's times where and you'll give me shit. You're like, don't be a cheap fuck, blah blah blah. But I remember cheap, like, I'm like, dude, that's fifty dollars. Do I need this? Yeah. And one other thing that did it for me, <clears throat> I moved to Hong Kong in 2011 and I lived in a 370 square foot spot, which mm -hmm. people don't realize that's, that's, that's your, your, like most bedrooms are about that big. Mm -hmm. I lived in that for a long time. And when you live in that small area, you learn the difference between what is a necessity and what is a want. You know, we look now and you go in your closet, I'm sure you're the same way. I have a closet loaded full of shit and I wear the same five or six yeah. things. Over there, I didn't have that much space. We had a two-foot closet, and two of us shared it. Literally two feet. So you can't have 20 or 30 pairs of shoes. You can only have two because you don't have the space. So you learn what you need versus what you want. And a lot of people, I think a lot of people just get, uh, they get spoiled with that. And they don't understand the difference between a need and a want. Like, you don't need a $2,000 purse. Or you don't need a $100,000 uh, watch. It's good to have those things. But, you know, I think the whole moral yeah. is just, like, you know, we do things sometimes out of uh, fear of yeah, what we might not be able to achieve or, you know, we might not be able to succeed at doing. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of the moral of the story. So, uh, but we got a surprise for for the next episode. So we're yep. going to, we're going to leave we're it a very that, big, and, uh, big surprise. Yeah. And, <laughs> we'll uh, leave it at that. So we're going to see you guys next for uh, episode 13. Finally, we're getting to the 13 and uh, make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe, um, share, make sure you guys comment. Like we said, if you guys want to comment about uh, the Sean Roden, uh, your favorite experience. relationships, uh, please list. But listen, tell, tell us what you think about this, uh, this Scotty Pippen, uh, Jordan controversy yeah. going on right now. Cause I think it has to do, uh, I think we have some opinions about that. Alrighty. We're up. <laughs>